Hello everyone, this is Scott Guider, the character Cephas from the hit franchise series, The Hillbilly Horror Show. You can now experience all the greatness from all the Hillbilly Horror Show. And all you need is a library card. And then you can go to Hoopla and watch them all for free. That's right, free. We love the word free. So, go ahead. For more details, go to the Hillbilly Horror Show Facebook page or go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com. That's right, Lulu, Bo, and myself, Cephas, the mumbling idiot. Again, go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com for more details or to the Facebook page. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Guider, the character of Cephas from the hit series Hillbilly Horror Show. To celebrate this new year, we're giving away exclusive Hillbilly Horror Show posters signed with a personal message from Scream Queen Lynn Lowry. That's right, Lynn Lowry. Head over to Hillbilly Horror Show Facebook page for all the details, and don't forget to catch Lynn Lowry in Hillbilly Horror Show Volume 3. Also, go to www.hillbillyhorrorshow.com. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room, not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now... Except the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. We may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. What is it? We've got a war. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. My guest today is the legendary, the iconic 1978 from the Dawn of the Dead. It's Mr. Mike Christopher. Michael, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. I mean, we've been talking for, oh my God, we met at Horrifying, which doesn't exist anymore, back in 2010, I think it was. And Jim Crook was right. there. Funny how we even, even got together is you asked you asked me to take a picture. A fan wanted a picture of you with them, so you hand me the camera to take a picture. <laughs> but that's kind of funny how that worked out. But uh, right. like I said, I met you back then, and uh, you're a Pennsylvania boy like I am. Um, so finally I got you on here. But uh, Dawn of the Dead, you know, it's amazing how Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead, these zombie films, especially from 68 and, and 78, and even the Italian zombie movies from the 80s, has a complete home in my heart. I mean, it really is. I mean, I don't care how cheesy it is. I don't give a shit how cheap it is how it was made. You cannot top the old school zombie films with the cheesy ass music. You can't top it. Yeah. George A. Romero, as you know, course um the crazies in 73 was probably one of his stepping stones i mean that was a pretty low budget film in Pittsburgh, basically filmed in the pittsburgh area and then of course neither have been dead in 68 now dawn of the dead in my opinion is probably one of the first americanized low budget zombie films you know that really started the the new entourage of zombies now the night of the Living dead they were a different breed because more like the late 60s breed of zombies. But then Dawn of the Dead yeah. came in the 70s. You had the 70s version, which I'm telling you, Michael, I can go on forever about this film. I love watching that film, not just for the story or whatever, but I love the clothes, uh, the shopping center, all the old shit that's – I would love to be able to go to a store today and walk into a mall like that and still have it laid out like – you were born in North Hills, is that right? Well, actually, I was born at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh. Okay. Which is on it's on the north side. It's you know the main hospital in Pittsburgh. I lived in Glenshaw for a while until I was in first grade, and then about a month after I um, about a month after I was in first grade, we moved to Emsworth, which is um, past Bellevue, towards the Wickley down the Ohio River. Okay. Okay. And then after that, I, I moved to Squirrel Hill, and I lived on Murray Avenue in Squirrel Hill for a while. I lived in Homestead for a while, Shadyside, East Liberty, Devosburg. I was all over the place like a bad toupee. <laughs> but now, I want to ask you one quickie. Now, of course, when you were in Dawn of the Dead in 78, you know, mm -hmm. you know yourself that when you were in that film, you weren't expecting it to be an iconic film today. Oh, no, I had no idea. I was... I was in a, in a I was in a band and uh, everybody in the band had a bald head because we were doing a theatrical stage presentation. Okay. Uh, the name of the band the name of the band was Fluid. We used to beam onto the stage in a plexiglass tube. We had geodesic domes uh, built around our keyboards and it looked very unearthly when we were on stage. It was kind of orchestral rock, something like Genesis, you know, some something like that. Okay. We had our our own sound, but it wasn't you know it wasn't any, it wasn't anything that. You could play in a Pittsburgh bar back in the mid-70s. <laughs> uh, because, because, because I had the bald head, um, George picked uh, me and the the, uh, the, the plaster zombie from the airport. He picked both of us for, for parts in the movie. And he wanted a different zombie for the for the attack scene because I figured out where they were, they were staying, you know. Right, right. I found my way up to that room. So he wanted a different zombie for that particular part. And he said there was plenty of zombies that had, you know, blue jeans and, and plaid shirts. But, I mean, I, I did that movie, and I saw uh, a premiere of it. And then shortly thereafter, I went out to Los Angeles 
to do laser lysos for Laserium. And I talked to some people when I went out there. I said, yeah, let's do this, this like, zombie movie in Pittsburgh. And you think I can get into some movies on, on Hollywood? And they said, you were in a zombie? What's a zombie movie from Pittsburgh? He said, man, nobody's going to be interested in that. And I just forgot about it. I mean, I literally forgot about it. I had the VHS when that came out. I had the DVD when that came out. And, you know, I'd bite my friends over, you know, burn one and watch the movie, have a couple of beers, and then, you know, and that's about all the farther I took it until 2007 when I found out that Dawn of the Dead was like a major hit. Ain't <laughs> that something? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was out there. I was in Los Angeles. I mean, for all that 20 years I was out there, I had no idea that, you know, that anything was going on with the movie. Yeah, but now look. Now, I mean, now you you, you appear at festival. I mean, horror festivals, and uh, as the character of Dawn of the Dead, and fans go nuts. I mean, I've seen the way they were acting around you and Jim. It's like you're thinking, "Damn!" I mean, I know. who would have thought? I mean, it's like it's just crazy. My my first experience with that was in uh, uh, Fear Fest Two in Dallas, Texas. It was my very first convention. I woke up in the morning. I turned up, turned on the news, and it said all flights from Tampa to Dallas were were canceled. And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but luckily, my my plane left like at twelve oh one or twelve oh five or something, and they canceled all the morning flights out of Tampa. So my flight was the first flight out to Tampa. I mean, from Tampa to um, to Dallas because it snowed in Dallas, and they had no snow removal equipment because it never snows in Dallas. So they couldn't they couldn't land planes there because here the runway was, was covered with snow. So I got I got there I got checked into the hotel but just about everybody was late so they basically canceled Friday and the convention was only Saturday and Sunday. So I didn't know what to expect and I'm I was sitting at um, at my table my very first convention there's this girl about maybe 50 feet or 100 feet away from me. She has this shirt on. I Heart Zombies. And like I said, it's my first convention. I had no idea, you know, what was going on. <laughs> so I went, hey, come here. She points at me. And I says, yeah, come here. Because I made a figure, you know, I'm a zombie, and, you know, she likes zombies. She loves zombies. <laughs> so I kind of direct her over to my table, and as she is looking at me, and I wasn't in costume then, it was my first convention. She's looking at my pictures, and she starts trembling. And then she starts shaking, and and she's like, sh like shaking. And I'm going, what the hell is going on? She goes, oh my god, you're my favorite zombie. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, like, I know. Like, calm down, hon. I'm just like some guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like nothing to go and have a seizure over. See now, 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 now for the first time when you mentioned that, you're thinking, wow. You know, where the hell was I at? Am I missing something here? You know, being that... I know, and then, and then my, my wife, uh, Shay Burnett, I met her probably a month or two after that, and um, and she told me the same thing. She says, I can't believe I'm meeting you. She says, you've always been my favorite zombie. I'm going, wow, this is like, people have favorite, <laughs> favorite zombies? The the thing about your character is because of what you're wearing, you stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, right. in a good way. I mean, 
They see it. <laughs> they, they can't forget your character because you're so much different. I mean, come on. I mean, right. you're a different style of zombie. Uh, laser media. Um, there's something about Tangerine Dream and New Kids on the Block. What's that all about? Well, I went to, um, it's really funny. When uh, I went to the University of Pittsburgh for a while, and I just I never really hit it off with, with what was going on there. And to make a long story even longer, I ended up dropping out of school and buying a synthesizer. And um, so, a year later, after after Dawn of the Dead, or I guess it was yeah, after Dawn of the Dead, I kind of stopped being a musician. The bald headed band thing kind of ran out of steam. There was really no place to play, and and we had one car between all of us, and, and it was just really a struggle to get to rehearsals. We had a rental rehearsal space; nobody had any money. And like I said, it was, we were playing, you know, Genesis, Pink Floyd kind of material, and Everybody wanted to play, wanted us to play rock and roll in bars and stuff, you know. Right. So, so I, I dropped out of the band and I went to electronic school, and I ended up putting my synthesizer up for sale, and I sold it to the to the guy who was the uh, laser guy at the Blue Planetarium in Pittsburgh, and he was like totally freaked out because it was an ARP twenty six hundred synthesizer with patch cords, the same one that Edgar Winter used when he did that song Frankenstein. And then he said, well, what are you doing for a job? I said, I'm going to electronic school. I'm looking for some work, you know. Hmm. So, well, since you're in electronic school, he said, and you have a musical background and stuff, he said, you could be a, a backup laser operator at the Bill Planetarium. He said, I can't take a day off because they run shows seven days a week. I can't take a day off. So he negotiated with the owner of the company that he could get a, um, a backup laser operator. So he trained me on how to do the shows, and, and I learned how to do the shows. I started doing shows, and then... Eventually, I guess it was like after the very end of my very first year at electronic school, they had an opening in special projects, and I went out to Los Angeles to do um, laser shows for the special projects division. So but we did do a show for Tangerine Dream at the Santa Monica City Center. And years later, um, I ended up going on tour with New Kids on the Block for about six months when the, when the guy that was supposed to do the job uh, jumped off the stage and, and landed on a road case with wheels, mm. and the road case went went out from under him, and he twisted his leg real bad. So he he needed some recovery time. Oh wow! So I ended up I ended up doing I was like the uh, the assistant laser operator for that. I didn't run the show. I just like helped hang the mirrors and adjust the mirrors and right. pull cables and and you know when, whenever the water would the the lasers were used. Uh, sometimes they ran on 480 volt three phase with 100 amps of leg, which is like stuff that's on the pole. Okay. But the lasers that we used for the new kids on the block were only ran on 240. And, um, but yeah, they, they were all water cooled. And we had to string the high voltage cable all the way up under the stage. And sometimes the, sometimes the laser would leak, start leaking. So you had to open up the power supply and figure out where the leak was coming from and, and, Close off the leak before the uh, while, while the damn thing was on because once you get the laser on, he never he never checks off. <laughs> Jeez, wow! They're very temperamental. You know, you realize that there's something there that uh, shocked the shit out of you that we mentioned about Dawn of the Dead. And then you got back into the business again in 2008. What was it like to get back? I guess my first speaking role was in a character named Old Tom. Indiscretions. In a movie called. Indiscretion, and I was with Joel Walker in that movie, and uh, I was just some guy that you know was in a in this ramshackle old barn of a house, and 
they're looking for an alien. They're looking for an alien who everybody thinks it might be a bear, but they're not really sure. It's either an alien or a bear. And I and I I have a shotgun. I come out of there with a shotgun and a, and a pad a pad of paper and a pencil. Because if it's a bear, I'm going to shoot him. But if it's an alien, I'm going to draw a picture of him. <laughs> Jason McCory, the director. It's, yeah, right. So yeah, so when we um, what was going on too much there, but I figured oh, I might as well try. Again. Well, I, I I think you can see it on Amazon. I see that. But uh, you mentioned the Joe D. Winecoop, and I interviewed him, oh yes. boy, two years ago maybe, and what a character he is. I think mean, he's one of the nicest, oh, coolest guys I've ever talked to. Yeah, he's, um, it's interesting talking to him because, I mean, um, he he went from, he did a lot, a lot of the low-budget stuff. I mean, I, I was amazed that he was back into the 80s. I mean, of course, I never heard of this stuff, oh, yeah. but he has a, a legitimacy of, a, of, a, of an acting career, I mean, you know, he mentioned about the uh, the Uh Oh show, 2009. He mentioned about that. You were the ticket scalper in there, which I have not yet seen that yet. But a movie that we're going to talk to afterwards, I did see, also by Jason Lacari, that I really loved. But let's talk about the Uh Oh show. Now, I, again, like I said, I have not seen it. But what was your experience like in that one? Well, it, it was a very small part. It was I was a ticket scalper. The Uh Oh show is a show that um, is kind of a parody of game shows, and it's, you. Uh, spin the wheel of misfortune instead of the wheel of fortune, and you, sp- you spin the wheel of misfortune if you if you miss the question, you don't answer the question correctly, and then um, the wheel of misfortune points to a particular body part and they hack off that body part. Oh shit! Okay, that's so, right. Yeah, it's just tons and tons and tons and tons of blood, just blood squirting everywhere. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was I was in that movie. I was in that movie. Sort of the the same kind of long scene. Uh, my wife Shade was in in that movie too. Uh, she was a protester. Okay. Yep. Outside the a protester outside the uh, um, the television station, and the tickets are all sold out. And I happened to be a ticket scalper, and uh, this one girl wants to find out what happened to her boyfriend because he appeared on the other show and then he disappeared. So she put suspecting foul play, and um, so I sell her a ticket for five hundred dollars. We called it 500 simoleons. And the funny thing, the, funny, the really funny behind-the-scenes story about that is um, I brought a couple hundred dollars in my wallet just just in the – because I wanted to make it look right. You know? Right, right. Just, just in the chance that they didn't have any stage money. And good thing I did because <laughs> – so I said, so uh, where, where's the money for this shoot? And they're going, oh, oh, money for the shoot. Well, that's all right. We'll use mine. So I pulled out, you know, tens and fives, ones and twenties and stuff. You know, it was big water money, and I gave it, and I gave it to the girl because she has to pay me for the ticket. Right, now. right. So we ran through the scene once, and then we did the scene again from a different angle, and did the scene again for, for another angle, and then we thought we were going to shoot it again, and then we ended up not shooting it again, and then I said, okay, that's it, we're going to go on to the next scene, and she had already walked away, and she had all my money. <laughs> oh shit. So I had to go track her down and go, hey, you know, uh, what about that money I gave you? Oh, that's right. That's right. Wow. And, well, it's funny that you mention it because Brooke McCarter has played Jackie in this film, which I met. Yeah. I met Brooke at Horrifying the same time that you were there, and then I come to yeah. find out that he passed away. I was totally shocked by that. But Joe D. Winecoop, yeah. Freddie uh, Finagler, uh, Krista Grote. I mean, yeah. I interviewed Jack Amos, who played Dean. 
I mean, a lot of familiar. Right. And of course, Lloyd Kaufman was the pimp in there. I've never seen it, but I definitely want to find this and watch this because it has a. Babette, Babette Bombshell is in there too. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know Babette? Yes. She's. Oh, her, her part is just outrageous. Totally outrageous. Crazy cast, great cast, but. Uh... Yeah. And by the way, the Uh Oh Show is directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis, the legend. Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah. In case people. Yeah, I caught. I I heard Herschel was going to do another movie, and uh, I sent him an email and I said, "Hey, Herschel, it's the ticket scalper from the Uh-Oh show." I said, "Hey, you know, keep me in mind, you know, for your next movie." And he said, "He said anybody that invests five thousand dollars in the movie gets a part." <laughs> I mean, he, he. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I, I wouldn't mind doing the doing the part for gas money and uh, and a credit, you know, but. Five thousand? Having to choke up five <laughs> having to choke up five grand after after I was already in one of your movies. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well the next film that you had a your police officer, RJ, and I got the screener, uh Jason McCarry's yeah. Stop Dead. Now let me tell you something about okay. Stop Dead. A remarkable mm-hmm. film. For the budget that he had, I love the idea. Do you know we, we we talked about this earlier uh, with the old cheesy '80s films? You know the the, the movie, yeah. the companies that didn't have the money to show the gore effects, they kind of go light on it. But you know what? The kill scenes and stop that I thought was cool because you seen the knife go up and that's it. You didn't see the full fledged gore. That does not bother right. me at all because watching this movie reminded me of an early '80s film, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like this film. Not. I mean, you had Shade Burnett as Biter Babe, your wife. Yeah. Of course, and yourself. Joel was in there, too. Joe D. Wynkoop, Debbie Rashawn. Cindy Cross right. was a waitress in here. Uh, right. Melanie Roble was a cheerleader at a small part. Tony Randall's a cheerleader as well. But this film grew on me right when I watched it. I love this film. Like I mentioned to Joel and I mentioned to Jason, um, these films here are the films is the reason why I do reviews. You have a limited budget film. It was nothing special, but that was a remark. I love that film, especially your part. Yeah. I mean, in Shades and, and of course, Wine Coop was at, I think that was one of his best films that I've ever seen him in. Yeah. What was your experience like in Stop Dead? Well, that was the most, that was like the most, at that point, that was the most dialogue that I had ever done. So it was, um, there was a lot of extra takes. And you don't really, when you're first, like, I have absolutely no acting background or training or anything. It's just, I mean, I was a zombie in Dawn of the Dead. That's but funny that was you a non, said that. That non-speaking so role, you know. That's funny you said that. <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm the same way. I right. never took acting school. I never even planned on acting nothing. And just because of my podcasts, I got into the business exactly like mm-hmm. you did. Just came in the right. back door, basically. <laughs> You are now part right. of an iconic film, like I mentioned before, over and over and over. I mean, your your career, even though I say this one way, your career is fulfilled, basically in your first appearance in the film. I mean, it might not be it might not be the way you want it, but at least yeah. Dawn of the Dead, always going to be attached yeah. to your name for the rest of your life, and that, and that's something yeah. to hang that's something to hang your hat on. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> or your hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you were in a couple of films I don't know much about. Um, Bikini Monsters, you played Captain, Captain Nicholson. What was that Captain like? Nicholson. Uh, that, was, that was filmed down in, uh, down in Pinellas County in, in uh, Florida. Uh, it was just a small part. There was uh, uh, like a, these 
monsters that were coming dressed in bikinis that were coming out of the water <laughs> and kill people. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool movie. I yeah, sounds cool. Monty. Yeah, that was pretty neat. It was fun doing that. It was just it was just a one day shoot. Uh, we did offer that down near the beach. Well, you know what? I'm gonna move up a little bit. Um, as you know, being friends with yourself and Joel D. Winecoop and and Shade, uh, Cindy Kratz, but the film Taste Me in 2012. Chris Woods is the director, and of course, yeah. you know when you're friends with Joel D. Winecoop, and if he's in a film, gruesome. I have a film. Do you want to review it? So it's kind of nice to be able to have a relationship with somebody who knows that I'm legit in what I do, and that's how I got Taste Me on my on my desk. I love to Taste Me. Again, like I mentioned, Bob Glazier as John. You yeah. had Joe D. Winecoop as Detective Royce. You have you as John. You have Shade as uh, Desiree. Cindy Cross as Candy. Trish Dempsey as Eve. And you have Joe Mikowski as Detective Greg Roberts. Gene uh, Ingle as Tina Anderson and Jill Larmore as Julie. You know... Right. I like Chris Woods' films. Chris Woods is one of these filmmakers that, um, how do you say this? He doesn't take it serious, but he has high-quality films, if you know what I mean. And Chris Woods... Well, I haven't seen, I don't, haven't seen anything that Chris has done after, um, after Taste Me. Okay. But I'm saying, in so, my own words, but... Right. I love Taste Me because it had a different spin. You have um, right. the three ladies, uh, and Joel was a detective, which is kind of funny to watch him as a detective. What was your experience like in Taste Me? Now, again, it's not you, you didn't have a big role. Of course, it's a short film, but so what was your experience like in Taste Me? Well, that was it was all shot really fast. We did um, all the all the stuff that I was in was all shot in uh, Chris Woods' apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, all that that uh, bathtub scene and all that stuff and, and it made it look like a house you shot the whole thing in the apartment uh, Joe Vampire in 2012 directed by Sean Donahue and Mike Nitch Nitchy is that what it has pronounced I loved I loved your character in this I really did it really showed a side of you that no one has seen I mean you mentioned right. it a lot and, of non-speaking and, roles that you had and yeah. your character as Joe Vampire was fucking brilliant watching well, you Thank you. You're welcome. Watching you in this film makes the person care about your character. Makes a person say, "Wow, this is the zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Look what he's doing. Right. He has a right. lot to offer." So I think Joe Vampire, the character, I think is a stepping stone for you. It was supposed to be a stepping stone for me, but but Sean Donahue took. Uh, Chris Woods down the wrong, down the the psychopath, the wrong path. Whenever uh, Sean put out his version of Joe Vampire, and consequently, it came out so bad nobody's ever, probably ever going to see it. Mm. I mean, you saw, you saw, you saw, and you reviewed the rough cut, which right. Mike Mike Nietzsche put together. But what Sean did with it is Sean found the worst movie music that he could on the internet. It's boring beyond belief. I mean, I, I mean, I actually try to watch it, and I go to sleep every time I watch it. The, the music is so bad. He neglected to put in the, the foley elements that you need, you know, uh, door slams and crickets and footsteps. So he just totally neglected to put all this stuff in. 
and he cut out 20 minutes of the film. He, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere at 62 minutes or whatever it is. I mean, it's just nobody's... I mean, I, it, it was very low budget. I mean, $3,000 top. Sean's claiming a little higher, but okay, you can inflate it to 4000 but still it's nothing. Um, we shot the thing guerrilla style. We pulled no permits. We just did everything that, anywhere we wanted to do it. And, it, I mean, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it came out great. I mean, it looked like, easily looked like a $15,000 movie. <laughs> but but it, that's not the point. The money's not the point. Uh, people were, said, well, I mean, this movie would have been better if it would have been, if it would have, you know, had a bigger budget. No, the movie would have been better if it would have had a good soundtrack and all the production details would have been taken care of. A couple of special effects here and there, one or two more uh, vampire kills and good editing tighter, just tight editing a little bit tighter than what you saw in the rough cut and it would have been a fun movie I mean it, it's not real bloody it's not real disgusting it's not hideous but it's, it, it does what you said like with the knife you know the knife coming down you don't right. actually see it, it all, the, all the innuendo is there that, that, I mean Mike Nietzsche did a fantastic job of filming the thing he did it with a little uh a little Canon camera, you know, that shot, shot in high def. And and we we didn't have a lighting crew. We didn't have we didn't have any boom mics. We just shot it with a mic coming off the camera. And I mean, we used these little LED lamps that you can buy at Walmart for the lighting scenes in the alley. But it was there. It was it was there. But Sean decided he wanted to prove to everybody he could do it by himself. I offered to do him a free soundtrack, and he didn't have the time to wait. Uh, Chris Woods to edit the thing, and they and they chopped the hell out of it. And I mean, for example, I don't want to really believe the negativity of it. For example, I'm laying in a bathtub, right? And the scene says in in John's version, and then he did the one thing I never thought he would do, and the scene ends. Ah. Well, 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 well what did what did he do? Yes. You know, right? I mean, that's not you know cut it out I mean what the scene was supposed to say he did the one thing I never thought he would do mm. he killed his wife he killed my wife he framed me for the murder and I had to kill five policemen to get my ass out of Paris that's the end of the scene he cut the end of the scene so I mean I will never ever I mean to my dying day I will never forgive Sean Donahue for how, how badly he butchered that film. What are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do? All, all I can do is say, this, this is what happened. If you want to buy the thing, he's selling them for 5 or $6 on Amazon. It's called Joe Vampire, Sean Donahue. I mean, at least, I mean, I, I refuse, I refuse to represent it. I re refuse to promote it. If somebody wants to buy it after they hear my spiel and they know it's not it's not the way it was ever supposed to be fine. I, I, I got a hold of a couple of scenes from the beginning of the movie and uh, and I put and I put my own soundtrack to it and that's on my Mike Christopher music page on Facebook and but but believe me that does not represent what the, what the, anything like what the music came, movie came out. You know how the opening where Joel's riding around in the in the car and, and yelling at his tenants, he's a landlord, he's yelling at his tenants to pay their bill and stuff. Right, yes. Sean cut that out of the movie. What? Yeah, he cut it, he cut it, it's gone. 
It's mm. totally gone. I mean, that, that's we use that scene to run the opening credits. You know, it's right. more interesting. More interesting to have opening credits going against the scene. Sean ran opening credits under black. Wow. So Joel, Joel shows up and he's knocking on my door in the mobile home, and so he's all like, "Why is he knocking on the door? There's no crickets. I played crickets and frogs and stuff in the background. Right. You know? I right. Mean, I mean, that's what it's supposed to be like now, you know? Mm. But, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've seen people in really bad movies before, and I, ever, I guess everybody's got to go through that. And so, you know, I just look at, at this as my, you know, as my learning experience. But, geez, we had a 90-minute movie, and we cut it down to like 62 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's never, it's never going to go anywhere. I mean, it's never, nobody's ever going to see it on Netflix. No. And I've seen some really... Really low budget movies on Netflix. Joe Vampire would at least have gotten a three star. Oh yeah. Well, to go to the next film that is yeah. a dual directors, Sean Donahue and Christopher Leto. Christopher Leto is, my opinion, a up and coming talented director. I've seen a bunch of his films. Die Die Delta Pi in 2013. I liked this film. I really did. I really do like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the great storylines, well shot. I've reviewed that one as well. It's an '80s throwback film. To, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, great cast: Bianca Lane, um, God, Christine Bell, uh, yourself, of course. Um, the cast is Bob Glazier. I mean, the cast is goes on and on and on. Of course, Shade Burnett. I'm very to say that. Cindy Crotts. Um, Cindy Crotts. But, but you know. I like these films like this because you you have to know what you're getting yourself into, okay? I mean... Well, I thought... I, I thought... She, Sean goes, Hey, uh, hey, Mike, I, I, I want you to be... The, I was supposed to be the professor, but he decided not to use me as the professor. He decided to use me as a cop, you know, because I, I, I drive a 2002 police interceptor. So he asked me to come down and be, you know bring my police car. You know, I'm a cop. I think I'm going to drive my police car. He let Cindy Crotch drive my police car. So I don't even I don't even get to drive my own police car. I have like four lines. I have four lines in the film, and one and one of the lines I inserted myself whenever I said, "That's one but ugly woman." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Jordan. Right. Oh my God! But I really I love that film. I mean, I think I mean for a. A low budget. I don't know what the budget was. I mean, but I like Die, Die, Delta Pi. I think it was a big yeah. surprise for me. I mean, I like the 80s throwback. Well, here's a film that I have not heard of. It's called Plan 9 in 2015, uh, directed by John Johnson. Right. Brian Krause, uh, the talented Brian Krause. That is a remake of Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Modern Space. Yes, it is. It is. And I play a mechanic. And uh, it's a very short part. I get killed by the by the, uh, the outer space vampire guy. I forget what the, I'm totally spaced on the character name right now. <laughs> Me too. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a cool movie. They 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 had a um, they had a hell of a good time making it, and I had I was only there for one day, and I had a great time making it as well. And um, it's uh, they got to use a town. I think they used the town, the same town that um, Groundhog Day was filmed in. Oh, okay. Well, is there anything else that, uh, I mean, I see here Night of Living Dead Genesis. Um, 
There's no Matt date. Clark. Yeah, is that still going in? Is this still being made? Is this filming? Is that or is it in hiatus? It is still filming. I was supposed to film my part in December. I'm the director of a psychiatric institute. When when I read the script, I couldn't stop reading it. It's like I was I was reading the script. And I was watching the movie in my mind at the same time. It's uh, I don't want to categorize it because I'm not a, I'm not a director of the movie or anything like that. But it to, to briefly describe it, it's a lot of it is like the backstory of what took place before the graveyard and the the oh. the old house on Night Living Dead. Nice. So it's like a whole it's like a whole different story that doesn't really have anything to do with Night Living Dead. It's what might have happened that leads up to what ha- takes place in the house at Night Living Dead. And that's directed by Matt Cloud. Yeah. Interesting. Or Matt Cloud, Matt Cloud, yeah. Yeah, it's but it read like I mean it was weird. It was the first time I I haven't written I mean I haven't read a lot of script. But it was the first time that I read a script that wasn't just was kind of okay, okay, I understand what they're doing with this, and then here's my part, and I just focus in on my part. It's like I sat down at the beginning, and I just read the thing to the end. And it's like as I was reading, I was watching the movie in my mind. You know, it came out. If it comes out anything like what I read in the script, it's going to be brilliant. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that a lot of people gave me a hard time about it. A lot of the original living dead people gave me a hard time about it. They had, they had, they don't, they don't like anybody doing anything with the movie, right? Because, because of what happened to them, and you know, well, I'm sorry, but life goes on, you know. Right, right. I, mean, I, I feel bad. I feel bad. They lost the rights and it went to public domain. But once it goes into public domain, it's in public domain. And, I mean, I, I look back at myself and I go, how many times did I play Brown Sugar Bike and Rolling Stones? You know, right. I played Holiday Inns, I played Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Maryland, Western New York, out into Iowa. And every time, every band that I was in, every cover band that I was in, we always played, you know, Broad Sugar and all these others, 25 or 64 by Chicago and all these. And oh, wow. Just, they, the, smi- the smile will get on their face. Yeah, we used to do Sea Cruise and Roberta, we we made a version of Sea Cruise and Roberta. That we put both those songs together, and we had a yeah, played in some horn bands. We had trumpet, trumpet, and saxophone. Yeah, and they hear the same song again, and it just always brings back these memories. So, right. I mean, if you redo a movie, you redo a movie like Night of the Living Dead. Well, hey, uh, well, so George Romero's not making any money off it anymore, but but somebody else is keeping that keeping it alive. You know? Yes. I mean. I, yeah. Dawn, Dawn of the Dead remake. It's really I don't even know why they called it Dawn of the Dead remake because it's it really doesn't have a whole whole lot to do with Dawn of the Dead. There's no helicopter. There's no Harry Christian. I mean, there's two strikes against it, right, you know, right off the bat. Right. But exactly. It's like, okay, well, Dawn of the Dead. Well, it'll remind people there's another Dawn of the Dead. You know, mm. it's like it's something. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't really like a lot of the remakes, but but people, it's an honor, you know? It's an honor that somebody re- tries to remake something or tries to tell a story a little differently or or tries to play somebody else's version of a, of a, a popular rock song, you know? Right, right. But anyway, I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting sidetracked here. I mean, I, there's a lot of things I want to say, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> this movie done, and I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and we're... we're 
on for the first part of the year. Sweet. And it should be very, very interesting. And the the bits and pieces that I've seen, the production value is excellent. Where's it getting filmed at? I believe in Virginia. I don't know exactly where my part's going to be because he's still uh, locking down a, a location and getting the actors that have to be, you know, to be in the scene with me. But I think he's out of Virginia. Jim Crack's in it. Is he? Jimmy. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Well, he's my neighbor, almost. He lives in New York. Oh, wow. I'm like yeah. 45 minutes away from him. Oh, how about that? Yeah, I, I didn't realize that, how close he was this whole time. It's kind of crazy. But um, I had to get get with him, but uh, yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to mention? Well, um, just keep in touch with me I'm on Facebook. Uh, Mike Christopher, or um, let's see, I have a Mike Christopher music page. It'll have my music and acting stuff on there. I'm working on my demo reel. I was really, I kept putting off my demo reel because I really wanted the Joe Vampire stuff on it. Now that I'm not getting the whole movie out, at least I'll get a couple of those scenes on, on there. And then, um, see Mike Christopher 7 on Instagram and, uh, Hari Krishna Z-O-M-B on Twitter and, um, I also have a Hari Krishna Zombie fan page on, on Facebook that I'm working on. Sweet. But just, you know, yeah, just anybody that out there that's interested, get a hold of me and talk about this and that, and yeah, a couple political, a couple political ideas, and I, I lose a lot of friends over my political ideas. <laughs> I've actually lost some of my Dawn of the Dead co-actors in, um, from from the political ideas. Everybody, everybody seems to turn it turned into a Democrat. <laughs> Well, I Bertie told me that that you're a big fan of the Hibbley Horror Show. Is that true? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mumbling idiot. The, anyway, yeah, so I mean, you know, when, whenever I feel down and and need a good pick me up, I grab myself a couple brewskis and and tune in. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm thankful for that, uh, but. Uh, I've been seeing the comments every time I post something that you always have something to say, so I figured uh, yeah. you must oh, like I it. Oh, I always have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Mike, it's great talking to you. I mean, again, we've been been friends, well, we met back in 2010. We've been talking back and forth on Facebook. I figured, you know, what's, what's a better way to do my first interview in like 14 months of having the legendary zombie from Dawn of the Dead, Mike Christopher? You can't be. Well, it. thanks. I appreciate it. It couldn't it couldn't have come in a better day. I'm doing some remodeling around the house, and uh, and I'm not really a contractor, you know. But I I, I can hold my own on <laughs> on most of the projects. And today I was just got got to a point where I said, man, if, if it wasn't for this interview, I would have been ruined and stuff. So I wrapped, <laughs> I wrapped up early and grabbed beer and and there you go. Well, do me a big favor and give Shade a big kiss and hug for me, will you? I will. I'll do Give that. Give her my love. All right. I will. Take care, okay. Christopher. Take care, man. Yeah, Great say, talking to you. Say hi to your family for me, too. I will. Take care. Okay. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Happy New Bye-bye. Year. Happy New Year, bud. Take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with actor Mike Christopher of Gone the Dead. Now, for your enjoyment, let's take a listen to the theme song from the classic 1978 Dawn of the Dead. And again, thanks for listening.